constantly discussing with my family, constantly discussing it with you, constantly discussing it with the investigator, private investigator, and also talking back and forth with the police department can be very, very frustrating. And I talk to at least 50 to 100 people every day that I'm passing out information to. So I'm constantly busy. I'm not on the phone making phone calls. I don't have time to accept a lot of phone calls, my family or anything, because I'm always out there in the street. A lot of times, the earliest I come home is 11 p.m. from 11 p.m. or 3 p.m., depending mm-hmm. on how tired I am. Mm-hmm. Um, could, but, I've been out to 2 and 4 p.m. the first month but looking a- for her April, at night April, I, I, I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you this. For, for those who are not familiar with the story, tell us, give us a timeline of events. Tell us when was Amaria first discovered missing? Amaria was missing, um, went missing as of uh, Sunday, July the 7th. Sunday, July right the 7th. Where, yeah, in the morning, early in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning to maybe 8 o'clock. And how did you, to, you uh, right, so you woke up at 8 o'clock in the morning to get her ready for church, and that's when you discovered she was not at home. Was it at that time that you called right. the police? Did you call the police first, or did you call family first? I called family, I called friends. And then I called the police. And then you called the police. I, okay. Right. And since then, you have connected with Crime Stoppers of Michigan. You have connected with the the, the folks at the police department. Yeah. Okay. Live mm-hmm. PD. Live PD. Live PD. So this you have been featured on channel two, four, and seven. Mm-hmm. Ah, so you've been featured on local channels as well as on live PD, talking about Amaria being mm-hmm. missing. Okay, so my role in the Exodus Foundation, we believe that Amaria has been trafficked. And so we believe the authorities are looking at her as a trafficking victim. She's 16 years old. If you go to April's page, her page is appropriately titled Amaria Hall. And I'd like you to go to her page and look at the flyers that she has done. So tell me, in the first week when you realized your daughter was missing, Tell me about the fact that you and your your family members drove all around Southeast Michigan practically looking for her. I want people to hear this because people sometimes forget about and don't realize what happens when a child is missing. How does the family survive? Tell me about that journey when you drove around looking for her in all the creepy places, you know, in all the the truck stops and all the motels and so on tell us about it i want people to hear it in your voice um when she first left i i sat down and i i i i, I went to church and then i i went to a, a close friend and my mind was thinking and she listened to what i said she she fed me dinner she watched watched movies and then my mind i got home and i i, I got somewhat in a comfortable space and woke up, started making collages on my phone, and by the morning I knew what I wanted to do. I went straight to uh, Office Depot and made made color flyers, and I, I headed out to Belleville, Michigan, which is about 20 or 30 minutes from me, um, looking at different uh, notes and uh, tips 
that I had. Uh, I, I started following a trail on the map of an individual that uh, originated from that area or lived in that area. So from there, I was passing out flyers. There, uh, Belleville, Ypsilanti, the tip of Ann Arbor, um, every day uh, at night. My uh, one son, we had tips on the east side of Detroit and mm-hmm. in Warren. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son, and I had one son during the day that had volunteers helping him pass out flyers in the community where uh, someone thought they spotted her mm-hmm. at night. Mm-hmm. He, we would go out and go to these areas on the east side where the wow. hotels and motels, mm-hmm. the Quinder 13 and Clinton Township and Grossback mm-hmm. and Gratiot. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the other side, on the west side, my younger son and I, my youngest son and I, uh, would meet up at 10 or 11 at night and uh, we would park at a friend's complex and we would go up and down particular streets in an area where a young man had said he spotted Amaria in a poorly fashion mm. um, and he reported a police report and that was a good uh, probably five or six days mm-hmm. after she originally had was gone mm-hmm. um, so from that my, uh, we would stay out there till about two o'clock in the morning, take a nap in mm-hmm. the car, mm-hmm. go home. And my other son, till about one thirty or two thirty a.m., he would get off and get over there. Usually about three thirty or four. And he mm-hmm. and this was my oldest son. He would stay out there till about eight o'clock in the morning, and we did this for four weeks straight. Wow. We might have had one day off, which was probably Sunday. Mm-hmm. That. We did not, and I still did it because I had girlfriends that would take me to go to these places and monitor mm. uh, the area. And uh, then I got in touch uh, with the private eye uh, probably the second week, uh, in the second week. See, the uh, thing that I want to, I want people to understand about this is how much, how much this is, uh, this is affecting you. And how the fight to find Amaria. Um, so she's been missing since July 7th. So this coming Friday, the 7th, will be two months since she's been missing. Uh, quickly, have you had any contact with her? Like, has she called home to say, hey, mom, I'm doing okay? Or have you had any kind of contact with her? Just share the specific. You don't have to be specific. Just say, well, I thought I had. Um, one night she called um a lot of nights I don't sleep well and that's good three four nights a week mm-hmm. so I'm really uh was had just gotten to sleep maybe an hour hour and a half before and I was in a deep sleep I was completely discombobulated when my child called and I could not understand what she was saying mm-hmm. okay by me being uh, the patient that I am and my CPAP trying to get that off, I could just, uh, I was talking, but I wasn't awake. Okay. And I repeated back and I said, what did you say? And and she she said that she could come home if I said this particular person did not take her. So if I tomorrow. understand what you're saying is that she, Amaria or someone's, 
pretending to be a mayor when really not sure because you were asleep, uh, called and suggested that she could come home if you stopped pursuing the trafficker whom you suspect, right? Yes, yes, they said. She said, if I tell the investigator that this person, she said, I can come home tomorrow if you tell the investigator that this person did not take me. Right, and you haven't heard from her since. How long ago was that? Um, three weeks ago. About three weeks ago. Since then, you have had no contact. More than three weeks ago. The reason that we're yeah. talking about this is because this is important for listeners who are listening who might have had a similar experience or for those who are just curious about what kind of toll does this take on, on the family. I want to put this into perspective for everyone so you understand what we're dealing with here. April is unwell. April, you want to just tell briefly about your journey? No, I do not. I oh. do not. It's about Amaria. It is not about me. Okay, so April doesn't want to talk about herself and what her journey is, but I'll just tell you this. It takes a warrior kind of a mother to go through what she's going through and still focus on bringing her daughter back home. And that's what we want to do. I want you to understand that Amaria is a real person because so often we go to Crime Stoppers and we see these things on Live PD. We see these things all over the place and we think, oh, well, it's not my kid. It's so I'm okay. But we're not okay because I would have been sitting back thinking it's not my kid, except that I work with kids who were missing and who were taken from their homes. And Amaria is just one of them. We don't know where she is. We think we know where she is. The authorities are looking into it. But while the authorities are investigating, whether they're the Trenton Police Department, the FBI, the state police, whoever they are, while they're looking into it, I want you to know that this family has not given up. April is hoping for her daughter's return. She's still looking. You yeah. can find April on a corner any day of the week. She's standing on a corner in the evening handing out flyers. April, I think the last time I asked you, you said you've handed out like 15,000 flyers? Yes. A lot of flyers. I get them from Crime Stoppers. We make our own copies. I get them copies from Office Depot. And it's never enough. I mean, I'm every, every two days. I give them out today. I went yesterday, so gave out some yesterday evening when I went to dinner and I'm up now about to go out again all the way to Toledo to, to Toledo. give out flyers and to give them to the abyss well I'm going to start with the business establishments uh -huh. the gas stations and liquor stores that are frequented by people today okay. Okay. and I may walk through some community okay so if you see April April is just one of many mothers throughout the country who has lost a child and whose child is missing and who is desperate for her child to come home. So if you are watching, if you know anything about Amaria Hall or any missing child, if you know anything about Amaria Hall, I ask you to call Crime Stoppers 1-800-SPEAK-UP or call 911 and share the information. If you've seen Amaria anywhere, I know by now you've gone to Amaria Hall on Facebook and you can see pictures of her. There have been pictures purportedly placed on other media sites. 
they take photographs of these young ladies and they advertise them as being available. I am asking you if you see such pictures, call 911 or call 1-800-SPEAK-UP. I'm also asking you to go to Ameria Hall, the Facebook page. I'd like you to go there and leave an encouraging message for the mother, for the family. These are real people. They are brothers, they are uncles, they are aunts, they are fathers, right? There's everybody. They're grandparents, they're friends, and more friends, and cousins, and more cousins. Everyone is involved. Recently, April had a uh, had a, a press conference with Crime Stoppers of Southeast Michigan, in which she detailed the efforts that they're doing. So she's not just sitting back and waiting for the police. She's also out there handing out flyers. She and her family have driven all over Southeast Michigan. They've gone to Warren, a community just outside of Detroit. They've gone all over the place at night looking for her child. There are places and pockets of places that these children are hidden in. My friends, this is a serious issue. Young girls, as young as 12, 13, and 14 have been seen in some of these areas. We want these children back home. We want these children taken away because they're being sold as slaves, as sex slaves to people. So we want Amaria to come back home. April, is there anything else you'd like to share with us this morning? Hello? I just need um, everyone to continue to pray and keep your eyes open. If someone was to actually see my child, please call 911. A person that saw my child did not call 911. They called me, and it was too late by the time they responded. So please uh, remember her and my and my family in your prayers. Oh, my God. April, you're breaking my heart. You're breaking my heart. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Have a good day, okay? Thank you. So, my friends, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about missing children all over the country. 75,000 black women have been missing since 2010 when we started first tracking this data. And they just seem to, did they just evaporate? All these missing children. And you're not putting a color to it, but it seems to me that we're not placing as much emphasis on children of color who are disappearing. All the time you see them on, remember when we used to see them on milk carton boxes? They always look like they were white. But what about the black girls who are missing and the Native American girls and the Hispanic girls who are missing? Where do they go? Do they just disappear? Does no one care about them? What about their family? And do you remember a few years ago in in Washington, D.C., two years ago in Washington, D.C., when over 200 girls were missing in January of 2017? Do you remember that? And they made it sound like these girls were all runaways. In fact, they classified them as runaways because they didn't want to accept that right there in Washington, D.C. is a heavy sex trafficking ring. Because Washington, D.C. is a world capital, people coming from all over the world, and we all know that when the cat is away, the mice will play. So people are playing and they do all, you know, they, they get themselves involved in whatever they want to get involved in at the risk of young people, right? So this young lady is someone I know personally. I've met the parent, the family. I have talked to them. I have sat and commiserated with them. 
And I can begin to tell you the heaviness and the grief that you're hearing from the mother. She is fighting a battle to bring her daughter home. And I want to tell you some of the signs and symptoms to look out for when a child is missing or if a child is trafficked. We see this all the time all over here in Southeast Michigan on the news where this child is reported missing and this child is reported missing. When you see stories of missing children, the children are often seduced into sex trafficking and human trafficking without realizing it. You got to understand that 16-year-old young people cannot make lifetime decisions. That's why there are adults around us, right? Because if I could have made a decision that affected my life when I was 16. Think about that. If you had made a decision at 16 without guidance to affect your life, you wouldn't be who you are today. Some of us are benefiting and are reaping the rewards for the decisions we made at 16. Some people ended up in jail because at 16 they got in the wrong car. They were involved with the wrong people. Some people made the wrong decision, went into the wrong bed, got sick, got a disease. That's a lifetime. Some people were, I kid you, I kid you not. These are the things that happen without. So at 60, when you see a child is missing, don't assume that, oh, they're just seeking after what they want. Yes, some of these kids are willful because they have not been parented properly. Some of these kids have allowed other influences to take them over. That is true. But at the end of the day, that child is still what? a child they still need what guidance they still need supervision they still need parenting and perhaps what has happened to them is there hasn't been enough parenting i have found in my parenting experience that i never ceased being a parent that my 17 year old when she was 16 she thought she knew everything too i had to remind her who the hell the parent is I kid you not. I had to constantly remind her, you want to make a decision now that you wake up at 36 and you figure figure out how you made it, then you're going to come and blame me. Right? So we need to have these kinds of conversations with our children. So a lot of these children end up being what? They end up being targeted. Trust me, traffickers know how to get to your children. They know how to talk to them. They know what to say. they profile these children they know they can see vulnerability from a mile off they can see that a child is not being supervised properly they especially target children who are get this who are mentally disadvantaged i kid you not in my experience with sex trafficking victims i wanted to hold my belly and ball at the inhumanity of it the depravity of it taking advantage of children who perhaps might have had a mental disability and using them Jesus help us all and you know what the rest of us do it's not my problem it's not my thing so i have brought this into you this morning because it is my problem and it is your problem and i want you to be aware how much this affects people I want you to see the impact that this has. You heard this woman's voice. This is a mother. She's just a mother. Right? She has children. She birthed this child. She gave birth. She raised this child. This child was seduced and taken from her home. You hear the pain in her voice, the longing to bring her child back home safely because there's no place like home. There's nowhere that Amaria is that is as good enough as the home she came from. I've been there. That mother has taken care of her child and nursed her child and worked her child and prayed over her child and provided for her child. 
We need to bring these girls home. We need to bring our girls back. It's not enough. It's not enough for our children to be taken, to be seduced by some variant and some deviant individual who sits back and looks. And you're all looking at me because I know some people are out there who are just looking and you think you're going to target some folks. You want to come after some people. I'm telling you, there are some people who are not going to put up with that. I am one of them. So try, try me. Try me. I kid you not. Because I don't know what the story is. They're looking at these kids. And here's the thing I want to show you. You do know that they profile children, right? So they observe them before they take them. So they watch the child. They watch how they go in, how they come out, who they hang out with at school. And they send someone to start talking to the child, whether that person is a neighbor, but it's always someone the child can relate to. Someone in the child's age group, someone the child can find incredibly relatable. It never ceases to amaze the rest of us how insidious trafficking is, how much the trafficker is so sure that when he applies his abilities to seduce and lure a child, that he never fails. He never fails. He's going to win every time. And he sets up a program for a child and he observes the child. Where do they go? Who do they hang out with? This is why I say parenting is so important because today's children, they're so willful. You know, my 16 year old daughter has friends and she wants to hang out with her friends. And when I'm not comfortable with it, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an intersection. It's an intersection when I'm not comfortable with it. Because if I feel like, no, I don't feel like you should go out tonight. I just don't feel like it. I don't have to explain it to you, right? I don't have to tell you why I'm the parent. I just don't feel like you should go out with that friend. And how many of us as adults can now say that when our parents told us that we shouldn't have gone out with that friend, that now we can say our parents were right, right? Happened. So what I'm saying to you is we're not making this stuff up. I am saying, I'm appealing to everybody, go to Ameria Hall, the Facebook page, look at that page, look at the pictures of Ameria. And if you have seen her on any website, I know some of you guys who listen to me on Twitter, I know a lot of you have technical skills. I'm begging you. I know there's another group who listens to me. You are anonymous. Please, I'm begging you. Just look at her page. Look at her face. Go to her Facebook page. Look at her face. And I know you can find her on other websites. You can trace the IP addresses. You don't have to say anything. Just notify the local police. Just bring it to the attention of the authorities that this is where this last uh, IP address was found and, do, and help us to bring this child back home. Amaria comes from a good home. She has a loving family. They didn't beat her up. They didn't abuse her. She was just seduced into thinking that they could give her a lifestyle that she thought would be greater than what she had. Amaria is from a middle-class home. Her mother is a teacher. <laughs> her mother is a high school teacher. They have a lovely home. Nothing wrong. Amaria has her own computer, her own phone. She's not lacking food or clothing, or she's not lacking somewhere to live. She has a grandmother who is just as comfortable. Okay. So it's not like she came from a disadvantaged situation where she was looking for something. No, she was seduced into thinking that she was going to be a star or she was going to do something else 
And that would have been better than where she's coming from. And that's not necessarily true, right? So I need you all to do me a favor. I need you to come and help, help us. Go to Amaria Hall, the Facebook page. And I need you to look at how we can help bring this child home. This is a topic that is close to me because I run a foundation, the Exodus Foundation. I'm going to turn so you can see it. The Exodus Foundation. You can go to my website, theexodusfoundation.com. And you see what we do for victims of human sex trafficking. This, what you're looking at, is a look at a house, right? That we set up as a shelter to house victims of trafficking. We're privately funded, so if you don't make a donation, nothing happens. We don't get funding from the government because... Look at me. You're looking in my face, right? Okay, so that is self-explanatory, right? So I want you to go to our, our website, help us as we help victims of trafficking. The best way you can do is go to the exodusfoundation.com as well as go to Ameria Hall, the Facebook page. I want you to leave an encouraging message for April. April is someone whom I talk to once or twice a week just to check in to see how the fight and the search for Ameria is going. It's something that we all are involved in. And I just want to say this to you. If you're asking me the question, right? How do I know that they can come after my child? My friend, they can come after anybody at any time. They profile your child. They look at them and they figure out, well, how do I go after her? For some children, for some girls, they might think that they don't get enough love at home. So here comes the Romeo pimp, right? The Romeo pimp who comes in and he says, um, well, you know, uh, I can love you and I can give you this. So that's the Romeo pimp who becomes a gorilla once he seduces her because the minute he takes her, he destroys her phone so she has no contact with the outside world, right? So she can't text anybody or tell anybody anything. And then they give them heroin because heroin is immediately addictive. So heroin confuses them. They're immediately addicted to a drug. So they got a habit. So they keep shooting them up. Then they put them on a variety of opioids. Yes, that happens. They give them alcohol. They give them anything. Because literally the girls will tell you that they literally have to slip into another uh, persona in order to perform. Because that's what it is, a performance. And they tell them, go do this, do that. And if they don't do it, they're beaten. They're physically beaten. They're beaten with guns. They're beaten with fists. They're kicked. They're deprived of food. When they have periods, they're told to go wash themselves. They give them cotton to stuff up into themselves when they're having periods. Yes, they do. They give them toilet paper and tell them to go stuff up into themselves. They even tell them to wear different colored, uh, use different colored stuff so that a John will not think that he's having sex with someone who is having a period. I kid you not, right? So what I'm saying to you is that you have to, uh, you have to understand uh, that a lot of what takes place in human trafficking, because that's what it is, it's modern slavery. It's literally as if they have taken the book of slavery and duplicated it to take all these girls. This became a problem in the United States. The United States didn't really see it as a problem until people were brought to the United States who had been trafficked and taken from other places. Then there developed a taste for American girls. 
what we have discovered is that when a girl is taken very rarely is she in the immediate environment within 24 to 48 hours she's removed and taken far away because the trafficker knows that if she stays in her environment chances are she's going to find a way to run away and go back home because once she's spent the night with a trafficker she realizes she doesn't have the control that he had promised she doesn't have the the, the freedom and the liberty because they're going to look at you and think that well what she lacks is she wants to feel free that she can do what she wants to do so he's going to promise that but after 24 hours the child is going to realize that no i was better off at home at least at home i could go where i want to go if i told mom where i was going or if i told dad where i was going you see what i'm saying so when she's taken the promise of liberty is not free at all and i tell you that all the time liberty is not free is it no there's a price and the price that she pays is her body the price that a child pays is with her freedom she is damaged and traumatized for the rest of her life the problem we have with trafficking is the emotional trauma that the victim suffers for the rest of their lives most people emerge from trauma with some sort of post traumatic stress disorder it's manifested in a variety of ways one of the things we saw in our shelter were these folks were inconsistent they couldn't stay in one place for very long they had lived so long in trafficking they could not live what you and i consider a normal life like going to work going home at the end of the day watching television they could not do that they could sit still they could barely sit still a lot of them were drying out from exposure to drugs lifelong exposure to drugs right so we have a problem 75,000 missing women in America who are black that's just the ones who are black imagine the number for others right it just so happens that i decided to focus on the ones who are black because very few of us get to talk about it <laughs>